and on the other hand, Putin is a is currently waging an imperial war in Ukraine. Uh, he's a adamant Russian militarist and expansionist, and so of course he doesn't like uh, he doesn't like. Uh, you know, he doesn't like Gorbachev for the same reason that, like, I don't know, old-style British conservatives don't like Clement Attlee, that he gave up the empire. Uh, and in the West, it's harder for, you know, that, like, Gorbachev, uh, you know, for example, he wanted uh, the danger of mutual destruction from the aviation. And uh, so, you know, journalists with Ukraine might talk about him after all. But he was still a communist. Uh, so, you know, one of the things I said in the article is that it seems to be a guy. You think about him, and doubtless made innumerable mistakes and worse than mistakes because he was the leader of a superpower. And all, and you know, it would be bizarre if somebody was the leader of a superpower uh, and didn't do lots of terrible shit, right? Obviously, but uh, I still think he deserves to be remembered more warmly than either his Stalinist predecessors or his gangster capitalist successors. And uh, and, and this is really the starting point of the article. Ways in which he had the right goals, even if he didn't know how to achieve them. That he was trying to the third course in the hard life you could totter on. And the the question that I really think is uh, is which uh to see for Soviet leader had people on shot of Um so if uh you know what Right, that we know what broke the union in 1991, the year was power in mind in 1985, the year that he gained power. You have uh, you have some idea of what the society was. Um, <laughs> that, uh, that it was uh, that it was wildly economically dysfunctional in many ways. That, that it was very authoritarian, uh, caused massive resentment among decline by five years on average. And so the question is, the third course, what that would have looked like and what 
you know, what's something better than either what used to exist in the Soviet Union or what exists, for example, in America today as far as uh, free market capitalism goes, what that would have looked like. And that is really the best. Okay, I think this is working. All right. So I think this is working. God knows if anything in the first 10 minutes actually, uh, actually, let's just run with it now. So my question is, it's not personal. It's not about sure. economics or politics. Okay. It's about S5 modal logic. <laughs> is that uh, okay? It is okay, although what I remember about S5 modal logic uh, might not be sufficient to answer your question, but I will try my best. Why don't you give it to me? Okay, my question is, why don't I find it compelling at all? <laughs> I'm fine with. <clears throat> yeah, I'm fine so, with so, so, you so you don't, you don't, you don't find it compelling that if it's. Uh, uh, that if, you know, if it's necessary, that it's possible, that it's necessary, that it's necessary, that it's possible, that it's possible, that, you know, therefore it's possible or whatever, that, like, none of that seems compelling to you? That seems kind of insane to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, that, that seems fair to me. I don't, know how, I don't know how useful what I have to say about this is going to be. Um, it, uh, yeah, I mean, look. I think one way of asking the question here is to say, what are we trying to do when we devise a system of modal logic, right? What's the, what's the criteria of success? And yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm being heckled, but I'm being very intelligently. Heckled. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Dragon uh, so, uh, so, so, so I will pass on what the heckler says. Uh, the, uh, uh, so, so Ryan Lake in the background says uh, we're 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 trying to uh, we're trying to capture uh, the nature of the universe, which would of course be a goofy thing to be able to claim to do uh, with this. So, with our intuitions, with our intu- sorry, yes, with our intuitions. About, yeah, with our intuitions about possibility, we will capture the true nature of the universe. Yes. Okay. So he says, with our intuitions about possibility, we'll capture the true nature of the universe. And of course, that that right there kind of nails what's a little funny about this. And and actually, I should say there are two levels to what's a little bit funny about this. One is that, uh, what? Yeah. One is that um, is that the S five modal stacking. And for anybody who's listening to this who doesn't know what the fuck S five modal stacking is. What I mean is, like, we can say, like, um, if it's necessary that P is true, it's necessary that it's necessary that P that's true. And if, if it's necessary that it's necessary that P that's true, it's possible that it's necessary that it's necessary that P is true. And if it's possible that it's necessary that it's necessary that P is true, then it's necessary that it's possible that it's necessary that P is true. And all of that... I, and I think this problem that Silver is getting with the original question, right, that, uh, that uh, you know, my guess is that what's really motivated the question is that none of that is very intuitive, right? It doesn't, like, if you, if the criteria of success for a system of logic is that we've captured our intuitive sensibilities 
about how possibility and necessity work, uh, then that just doesn't seem to have done it, right? Like that doesn't seem like it captures it at all. Uh, but then there's the second layer of absurdity that Ryan's off offstage heckle points to, which is, okay, even if it did capture our intuitions about possibility and necessity, which S5 doesn't, right? Again, to recapitulate for, uh, <laughs> for anybody who's listening to this who doesn't know what we're talking about, I should say modal logic is the kind of logic, ability and necessity, right? What could be true, what couldn't be true, what must be true. And we have symbols for possibility and necessity and rules to regulate those symbols. Like um, that if something is necessary, it's not possible that it's not true. That's an easy one. Uh, but then S5 is a system of modal logic, which tends to have a bunch of rules that sound a little funny that uh, in particular has what's called stacking of modal operators, which is where you say stuff like, well, if P is true, then P, if P is necessarily true, then it's necessarily true that, it's, uh, that P is necessarily true. And if it's necessarily true that P is necessarily true, it's possible that it's necessary that it's uh, necessary that P is true. And if it's possible that it's necessary that it's necessary that P is true, it's necessary that it's possible that it's necessary that it's necessary that P is true. And earlier, what I was saying is I think that if all this sounds kind of absurd, I think there may be two layers to that. One layer is that um, one layer is that it's not, uh, it doesn't really fit with our intuitions about possibility and necessity. Not necessarily that it contradicts them, but it just seems like when you sort of ponder that, you think, well, why would that be true? That's not obvious. That doesn't feel obvious in any way. Uh, and so if the, if the criteria of success when we devise a system of modal logic is that it captures what we intuitively feel about possibility and necessity, then it's failed. Uh, but then there's like a more interesting question you can ask, which is, well, hold up. Why is that the criteria of success, right? Why is it that like our intuitions about possibility and necessity are something that we take particularly seriously at all, really, right? Like if you think of... Because intuition is often fails. Yeah, exactly, right? And like I think the role of intuition that's like legitimate really depends on what we're talking about. Because look, if we're talking about morality, then you might think that, you know, I mean, obviously there are tricky questions here about exactly what we think morality is, but a plausible view is that the real subject under investigation is like what we care about. And so if that's what we're really talking about is what we care about, then obviously our intuitions are very relevant. That's like the subject matter. Um, on the other hand, if we're talking about like mathematics, intuition is worthless, right? That um, there there's tons of shit that intuitively seems like it wouldn't be true. That it's very easy to and mathematics. Sure, quantum physics. That's another good one, right? Um, so in domains like that, it doesn't really seem like intuition is just is even really very relevant, right? I mean, that you could do like just how probability works. Think about like the. Monty Hall problem um, that like what is it's very easy to prove is true very frequently wildly conflicts with what intuitively seems like it would be true so in domains like that it seems like intuition whatever if it has any evidential value at all it's like 
really very little. Um, so then we think about modality. We think about possibility and necessity. We think, okay, is this more like the kind of domain where intuition seems very relevant, or is this more like the kind of domain where intuition seems like dog shit? And it kind of seems more like the second one, right? Because why is it that, you know, reality... You know, if if what we're really interested in when we ask questions about possibility and necessity is is how objective reality is, well, look, why is objective reality obliged to like line up with our intuitive feelings about what sounds plausible? Um, and then you know, there's some there's some really big problems here because you think, okay, well, what does that actually mean about modal logic, right? Uh, that uh, it could be that, like, we we actually can't devise a very interesting system of modal logic uh, that, you know, because, like, you think, okay, well, look, maybe stuff like what I said earlier, the idea that you can define possibility by necessity and vice versa, that to say that P is possible is to say that it's not necessary that not P, to say that, you know, P is necessary is to say that it's not possible to not P. Okay, maybe that's all just true by virtue of the definition of the words, right? But I don't know how far that's really going to take you, right? Like, um, you know, it could be that, like, once we really restrict ourselves to what we're confident is true, then, um, yeah, there's there's absolutely no reason to be confident. Like, it, it could be that, like, the, the rules of modal logic that that'll give us are just not super interested, right? We're not going to be able to prove much of anything with them that, like, you know, we find interesting metaphysically. I'd, I'm not, um, you know, I don't know. Does that make sense? Those are my yeah. immediate thoughts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, probably not what you meant when you said, I'm going to have an AMA, sorry. No, 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 it's good. I'm I am I am totally happy to talk about it. Okay. Thank you. Talk to you later. Hey Ben, can you hear me? I can. What's on your mind? Um well now you um could I call, call it after. Yeah, I, I couldn't quite understand uh, the modal logic stuff. Sorry, sorry, listeners, but uh, could you break down for me just a little bit more? What, what's an example of this? It's possible that it's necessary. Could could you could sure. you help me understand? Like, what, where is uh, this even sitting in the world of like philosophy? I don't know. Sure, a little bit, right? Um, I can try, right? So, um. What's a good way into this? I mean, I think that I think one way of thinking about this is that like why we're interested in possibility and necessity um, is think about stuff like if you're worried about like free will and determinism, right? It's possible that I could do A or it's not possible that I could do A because it's like necessary that B is going to happen. That'd be like one example of why we're interested in that. Um, or uh, we're interested in thinking about, um, you know, I don't know. That that would be, you know, that would be uh, that would be one example. 
like is it that like the what what's going to happen in the future is the only thing that possibly could have happened or is it that there are lots of th- different things that could have happened and I, I get to decide what that would be an example of a kind of philosophical issue where we're we end up getting interested in this question about like what's uh you know what's possible what's necessary and then so modal logic well think about any kind of logic right like logic in general uh, what we're interested in is figuring out inference, thinking about like, okay, if this premise is true, does this conclusion have to be true or could this premise be true without the conclusion being true? And so when we think about that, right, you know, we think about just like statements, right? Like, okay, if if statement A or statement B is true and statement A isn't true, then statement B must be true, right? Stuff like that. Uh, so, oh, I can't hear you anymore. I wonder a, if you cut out. Statement A. Oh, sorry. What I said was in modal logic, what we're adding to that is possibility and necessity. So statement A could be true. Statement A, statement B must be true. Stuff like that. And we're thinking about what the logical relationship is between those things. Like if... A must be true, then it's not possible that A isn't true. Stuff like that. Uh, and so the so the first caller, essentially, uh, uh, Silver, was asking about this specific system of modal logic and the sort of rules that exist within that system. And, you know, if, if you don't know what any of this is, I wouldn't worry, like, too terribly much about the specifics of that because it's like it's it's pretty in the weeds but i think the more interesting question right the sort of more in-depth question is okay like what are we trying to figure out when we think about this right what are we trying to do and what i was trying to suggest is that you know one thing we could be trying to figure out is like okay what intuitively seems right when we think about possibility and necessity and so we could decide on what our rules are for um, for modal logic, right? For this kind of logic where we have rules about, you know, such and such is possible, such and such is necessary. We could try to figure that out on the basis of, like, um, our intuitions, what intuitively seems to be true. But then the sort of more interesting question that you can ask about that is, okay, why is this the kind of thing where we think our intuitions should line up with objective reality? Like, is there anything about this subject that makes us think that, like, what seems intuitive to us is objectively true? I mean, like, that uh, that's at least not obvious, right? Because if you think about stuff like math, probability, like, in those areas, routinely what seems like it should be true to us turns out to not at all be true, right? It's, like, very easy to prove that it's not true. So uh, so I think the more interesting question is, like, why I think this is an area where it matters. So that was the point I was making. But obviously I know that, like, if you're just coming into this with, like, modal logic as a combination of words you've never heard before or whatever, then, like, it's, it's not obvious what any of this means. And that's also, you know, totally fair. Yeah, I don't know anything about modal logic, but I think you're – larger point I get is maybe another way of saying it that one interesting result would be if it turns out that following these rules of modal logic ends up matching up with a lot of what our intuitions are 
then mm-hmm. that's interesting because it might reveal something about, I don't know, underlying processes just of human thought. Is that an example of why it might be interesting? Yeah, I mean, it would be, although, again, the question is, like, is there any reason to expect that that is what would happen? Like, is is that, um, is there... Like, is there any reason to think that, like, what we think is going to be true about this stuff is what's actually going to be true? Because if not, then it could be that this is just not a super productive, like, line of of inquiry to, to pursue, right? Because it could be that um, – so people talk about, like, the strength of a logical system where what they mean is, like, how much you can prove using these rules, and so, like, a system where you can prove lots of stuff given those rules is very strong. A system where you can only prove a little bit of stuff given those rules is very weak. And it could be that, like, given how little reason we have to think that, like, our intuitions as human beings about this stuff are going to be very relevant to, like, figuring out what's true, you know, it, it could just be that, like, yeah, whatever you know, once we get to a system of modal logic where we have um, where we have pretty good reason to think that all of this is true, uh, all these rules are right, right? That it could be that they don't really prove very much because it could just be that this is not something we know very much about, which is the kind of thing that I think a lot of philosophers and logicians really don't like to hear, you know, because it's kind of a bummer, but I mean, you know, sometimes turns out to be true. So anyway. Um, yeah, that makes I, sense. Yeah, I hope that was... Well, if no one else lines... Yeah, go, go, does, go, that, go for it, go for it. What's your question? Okay, and this is, I guess, a bit more where, like, philosophy might meet some politics stuff, but... Sure, let's do it, let's do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, so, um, yeah, a lot of, in a lot of uh, conversations, you, you know, you might be talking about this geopolitical conflict or that, and there's a question of sort of what caused this, right, or or what are the roots of it, or... You know, you look at what you consider to be, you know, the precipitating event and someone says, oh, that no, you can't. you got to go back 10 years before that to this particular event. What do you think is a, a principled way, if there is even any, to sort of arrive at something? You, I mean, I'm not saying that's a good exercise to begin with, but people seem to do it a lot. Um, so do you have any any views on that? How far back should you go, and and when do you stop? And you're muted, Ben. Yeah, right. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, I definitely know what you mean. I mean, I think that the I was actually thinking about this earlier today. I think this intersects with what you're asking about because uh, this is going to sound goofy, but just run with me about it. Like, uh, you know, there's. So what do you think about like skepticism about the external world? People who are like, um, you know, if you, if you could ask these like philosophical questions about like whether we really know that like X, Y, or Z is definitely true uh, because after all, you can come up with some scenario that's technically possible where it would be false. Uh, Like for example, uh, could be that, the entire universe was really created five minutes ago, complete with your memories of everything before that. Uh, you can kind of apply this in an interesting way to like certain kinds of questions about like political justice. 
And, you know, because, because right, because people will often act, people will often act and talk as if it was really important for figuring out what's just or unjust, right or wrong about like something going on right now, whether, uh, how it came about, right? Like what the, what the set of historical circumstances are that generated it. Exactly. But, uh, but you could ask, like, okay, how relevant is that actually, right? Like, like if it turned out that we had exactly the distribution of wealth and power in the world that we had today, but like some all powerful evil demon created that world like five minutes ago, exactly the way that it is. Right. So like it has no historical antecedent whatsoever. It just happens to be the case that like the world was brought into being with like some group of people having way less wealth and power than another group of people. Right. Would that actually matter to you? Should that actually matter to you? Right. Like, or would you just still say it's just as objectionable and I think this this becomes really relevant when you think about a lot of like conversations people have about like reparations and uh, historical injustice, right? Because I think one of the things that you know goofy thought experiment might helpfully direct you towards is thinking about like, okay, why do we actually object to the conditions that like maybe in the United States, for example, like black people are disproportionately more likely to suffer than white people. Do we object to it because of the disproportionality, because the disproportionality arises from this like historical injustice, or do we just object to it because nobody should have to live that way, right? And I kind of think it's that last one. And so I think, um, you know, I think is like, you know, and I think especially, right, if you have a sort of libertarian view of justice where it's like property rights over the course of generations, right? So, like, if you can trace something back to a just act of acquiring property, then it's okay. And if you can't, then it's not okay. Then I can understand a little bit more of the historical time frame, right? But if you have, you know, more sort of principled egalitarian view that it's like, no, everybody just deserves the same good things because they're a person who's alive, then I think the historical stuff is... Uh, is a lot less obviously relevant. I don't know how much that intersects with your question, but that may be the best I can do right this second. It intersects a lot. It's not exactly what I was thinking about, but it's definitely helpful. Um, all right. Thanks, Ben. All right. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Give me one second here. So with any luck, hold on just a moment. I do. All right, we'll stay stay in the queue. All right, Jordan, what's on your mind? Hey, what's going on, Ben? Uh, I just had one quick question about your upcoming debate with Curtis Yarvin. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yep. I was just wondering, uh, um, when are those details going to come out? Because uh, I'm in Chicago. I was wondering where that's going to be. Yeah. Located, uh, what very, the topic's going to be. Yeah, very soon, I hope. Uh, that's actually a good reminder to send another text message to Thad, who's the uh, organizer, because uh, I've been waiting to hear back from him. Uh, I, I can tell you what I proposed. Uh, but, uh, 
but yeah, the the exact like topic details and all that are still are still in process. What I would really like to talk to that dude about is democracy, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> you know why it's valuable uh, and why he doesn't seem to think so. But we will we will see. But I can tell you, it's going to be somewhere in Chicago. Uh, I actually think that part's settled, but I don't know the venue off the top of my head. But it's going to be in Chicago on October 22nd. That much that much I'm sure of. Um, the uh, I mean, unless he backs out or something. But I mean, like that's the that's the idea that it's October 22nd in Chicago. And the exact topic, the exact time, all of that stuff. Uh, I, I am. All I can tell you is that I'm awaiting that as eagerly as you are. Definitely, yeah. I'm looking forward to it, and I hope I hope he doesn't back out because it'd be a great conversation between the two of you. And you know, he he's a, an interesting character, and I feel like he. I saw him on the Young Turks, and oh, what was this? Yeah, he uh, he was with uh, he debated Jenk. Is that how oh. you say his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It was like a couple weeks ago, I think, like two weeks ago. Oh, yeah, it's, like a, it's like a fifty-minute debate. I will definitely have to go back and watch that. Yeah, it's, he's a. It's an interesting conversation, but yeah, I don't see how a, a monarchy in America is really going to work. <laughs> I mean, and, and if it did, that'd be horrifying, right? <laughs> so, who, who would get to the top? You know, I mean, that's. I feel like that's kind of he connects with the Peter Thiel types, kind of. Because he wants to well, run it like a like a startup. That's how. He well, and I mean, he he does actually get money from Peter Thiel, so yeah. And, and I think that like he's, uh, you know, and I think some of what he said, I mean, is that like he actually literally wants one of these like pimply faced tech CEOs to be the uh, the American Augustus. So, uh, you know, that sounds pretty bad to me, but you know, whatever. Uh, all right. Uh, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> thank it. Thank you. All right, Ryan. Ryan, you're muted. Hey, this is Ryan. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Look, I got a question about Aristotle and the Holy, Holy, the Holy, the. Holy Trinity is what I like to call it down here in the South. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to, I'm, I'm here at Dragon Con having a good weekend and just wondering about how it, it, superheroes, man. I mean, what's the philosophy behind superheroes? That's my, my big question. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I, I'm, I'm going to do my best to understand your question. Uh, when you say it's the philosophy behind superheroes, do you, uh, <laughs> do you mean uh, what's the. Um, you know, like, like, uh, like, what's the philosophy behind thinking that like superheroes are a morally good thing to have? Do you, what, what, what are we talking about here? Help, help me out. Well, my my favorite superhero is the one is wears his underwear on the outside, Superman, <laughs> and uh, I just feel like he's an, an an analogy or analogous to Jesus Christ, and I, I appreciate your your knowledge on what he would do in today's society, especially with woke culture. I'd like to hear about that. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Uh, well, you know, uh, Superman, who, as I understand it, is uh, his, uh, his real name is Kellal. He, uh, he comes from the planet Krypton. Um, you know, my, uh, you know, my favorite uh, superhero comic is, uh, is called Red Sun, where he, uh, he crash lands, 
in uh, in the Ukrainian Soviet Socialist Republic on a uh, on a collective farm. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I guess I guess the the question about woke culture and Superman, you know, would really depend on whether we're talking about the canonical, you know, main DC universe Superman or. Uh, or the alternative Soviet uh, Superman seems like the two of them would have very different views on uh, on a lot of these uh, on a lot of these subjects. Um, I, I guess uh, you know. I hope you know my ideal Superman. You know, let's 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 say the uh, the third Superman. You know, not the classical DC Superman or the uh, or or the alternative uh, alternative Soviet Superman. Uh, but uh, but the the Superman that I would most prefer, uh, I believe, uh, would say that uh, you know bigotry is very bad and should be opposed. But ultimately, uh, people should uh, people should band together to fight for justice more on the basis of their economic interests than anything else. You know, because that's that's really what's going to help us get to the kind of society that has, uh, you know, what's the phrase, truth, justice, the American way, and uh, in a much better version of all of those things. So that would be my take on that. Uh, and with that, 